My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Had you told me that 15 months ago that one of the greatest signs, symbols, and sources of division and stress that would be causing passionate, even sometimes violent debates would be a piece of cloth over one's mouth and nose, I would never have believed you. When this chapter of history that we've lived through is written, it will be curious to read how the mask mandate and controversy that surrounded it from the outset to present day will be judged. You have the extremes on both sides of the issue, from those thinking it's the singular only hope to being able to interact with others in some in-person capacity, to the other side who think it's a complete fraud and an example of government overreach by intruding in an individual's personal life. With each of these sides mask-shaming others who don't agree with them. It's almost Shakespearean. To wear or not to wear, that is the question. Objectively, if that's even possible, if people could take a step back and reflect on it without some of the charged and polarized rhetoric, we might see how this debate has gotten out of control. Generally speaking, people want to do what's best for themselves and for each other. It's a given that only someone who's unstable would want to get sick or get someone else sick. And sadly, the the lack of trust we as a people have for one another and for anyone in any level of authority right now has led to a lack of civilized dialogue. Instead, we hear people holding different viewpoints, oftentimes with some reasonable points that should be considered, but are almost instantly demonized for not agreeing with those holding the opposite view. And there's a lot of reasons for this. But one that stands out on a certain level, is that this isn't just about wearing a mask. It has to do with something far, far bigger and more important to every person. Freedom. For the one side, masks are the way to freedom. For the other, it's inhibiting one's freedom. And once the discussion kind of shifted into that realm, it's a bit more understandable while regrettable that things became much more heated. There's a reason I'm even taking the risk of triggering people by mentioning this whole thing. 
while trying to be respectful of both sides and keep my own personal opinion out of it. There's probably nothing more important to Americans, and there's probably nothing more that all humans desire or long for or fight for than freedom. For us individually, think about it. Freedom impacts our decisions, our responsibilities, our pursuits. And communally, as a nation, think of all the arguments that cause so much tension in our nation's public square. Everything from abortion, immigration, poverty, education, they're all connected to this question of freedom and a person's definition and interpretation of it. The last 90 days, 40 days of Lent, and now 50 days of Easter, which we conclude today, we as Catholic Christians have been on a journey not only recounting the true source of freedom for humanity, but reflecting on our own personal journeys as well. In the familiarity of these days and seasons, we can easily lose sight of that. We can look at Ash Wednesday and Lent as this prep period to getting to commemorating Jesus' passion and death during Holy Week, which leads to the celebration of Easter and his resurrection from the dead. And then we come to today, Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit first descended on the church as kind of a, a finale to a very eventful 12 or 13 weeks. And that's a lot of ground to cover. But it's not meant to be compartmentalized and separated from each other into historical remembrances that we draw meaning from. They're all connected. Lent and Easter, passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they're not just past events that we recall with fondness, but they're present realities. And they speak of how God recreated his creation that was broken and disfigured by human disobedience. This annual journey is meant to refocus us on his gift of freedom that he alone can and has given. Sorry, not sorry to any government who thinks otherwise. Freedom of intimate and eternal importance. Freedom from sin. Freedom from anything that tries to enslave us and diminish us. Freedom from death. That's been the whole point of the past 90 days. Think back to those ancient prophetic words that we heard on Ash Wednesday all those weeks ago, where we were told to, to rend our hearts, not our garments, to be reconciled with God, that now is an acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. That followed by 40 days of Lent was meant to shine a light on our brokenness, on all the things that hold us back from truly living the precious God-given identity of being his sons and daughters. To recognize that we struggle with sin, we might still fail in resisting temptations to, to greed or vanity or pride or, or lust or selfishness or any other kind of sin we could think of. That we often don't feel like we're his children because of addictions or abuse or a whole list of things that we're ashamed of, that we feel guilt over. But we come here confident that those feelings don't tell the whole story. 
That in Jesus, we find forgiveness for those sins. Even the ones we find that we commit over and over again. We're always one good, thorough confession away from being wiped completely clean. And all that is accomplished by Jesus' passion and death on the cross, where humanity, through its ugliest, unleashed its most detestable, mounted the greatest offense against God himself, through its actions and inactions, through its lies and manipulations, as it aligned itself with the enemy. Satan, who always tries to convince humanity that they themselves are gods. And on Easter Sunday, which astounded the disciples to see Jesus risen from the dead, where he proves once and for all that he is greater than the worst that humanity could ever throw at him, even more transformational is the fact that the first thing he does is lavishly pour out his love and his mercy and his peace and his forgiveness. Pentecost celebrates that gift of that Holy Spirit poured out on the church, not just 2,000 years ago, but on all of us who've been baptized into Jesus. And that enables us to bring his resurrection power into our lives and into the world, to act in his name, to experience true freedom ourselves and help others to experience it as well, to continue God's work of Easter of recreating creation. Think of all the ways that that happens. Think of all the people who have been healed in Jesus' name. Yes, stories of miraculous happenings, but also the more common and hidden miracles in our day and age, where a loved one takes care of a sick relative, where an orphan is cared for, where someone who's addicted to alcohol or drugs has a sponsor who will run to be at their side 24-7. Think of all those abandoned and are vulnerable, the unborn, the poor, the immigrant, the prisoner, the homebound, who so many either ignore or use for their own political purposes, who find people in Jesus' name who are their true champions, who are their defenders, who accompany them from womb to tomb. Think of the witnesses who have humbled the world by their radicalness of following Jesus' example. Just in the last century, we had examples of people like Sister Edith Stein and Father Maximilian Colby, whose Christ-like example took place in the horrors of Nazi concentration camps. Or Father Michael Judge, blessing firefighters on 9-11 in the lobby of the World Trade Center. These are just three that came to mind of people going to their deaths, serving others in Jesus' name in the most dire and bleakest of circumstances, where all hope seemed lost, where evil seemed to reign supreme. These three remained steadfast and confident, losing their physical lives in that pursuit, knowing that an even more glorious life awaits those who love and follow Jesus. There's countless examples of what the power of the Holy Spirit has done and is doing, working in the lives of 
fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who weren't perfect people, but who truly believed in Jesus Christ and who let his life, death, and resurrection transform and expand their visions to see beyond whatever was dark and limited and anything evil that was in front of them, but didn't give in to despair, who didn't go along with all those marching and locksteps asking, what can one person do? Instead, they followed him. They yielded to the Holy Spirit's promptings and followed Jesus' selfless, sacrificial example. And whether those led to minor inconveniences in their daily lives, to something that cost them their very lives. That same Holy Spirit is dwelling within each and every one of us. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, how are we allowing or preventing him from working within us at this very moment in our day and age? The other day, I happily shared the news that the bishops of New Jersey have announced that in two weeks, the dispensation from Sunday Mass has been lifted and that on the Feast of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, we as Catholics are obligated to attend Sunday Mass. So thank you all for already being here. God bless you all. Or to put it more positively, that we're obviously in a much different place than we were 15 months ago. And I was startled by how many people use that post as an opportunity to argue, once again, about the lockdown, how, why, what should have been different, about vaccines, and yes, about masks. And as gently as is possible for this Jersey Italian, I kept trying to keep it on point and saying that the most important thing for us as Catholics is receiving Jesus' body and blood in the Eucharist. Coming to Mass where heaven meets earth, where life conquers death. As important as all those other debates may or may not be, they all pale in comparison to what God offers us here at every Mass and what the Holy Spirit, who we received at our baptisms and confirmations, wants and needs to accomplish with and through us. And sadly, there were some who didn't want to hear that and instead just wanted to fight. This has been a disorienting and difficult time on so many levels, and again, that's an understatement, in ways far worse than just wearing a mask or not. The losses that people have experienced, the isolation, the anxiety, the tension has done a number on so many of our hearts and souls. People are feeling mentally and spiritually exhausted and sick. There's gonna be a lot of work to do for people to recover and to restore from this experience. So I have to believe that this Pentecost, God once again is entrusting us with his vision and equips us with his Holy Spirit who gifts us and enables us to recast that vision of what true and authentic freedom looks like. Freedom from fear. Freedom from what enslaves us from what diminishes us, freedom from sin, freedom from death, freedom to live as his beloved sons and daughters. How are we going to allow or prevent him from working within us to accomplish that freedom?